Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 9 through 14, the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 1 through 14, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, and Psalm 25, verse 1 through 9. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. I have a a dear friend. He's actually also my technical expert on my computer. And he frequently sends me links to various political and social and religious humor. It's mostly ironic, and it's mostly things that I would never stumble across on my own. So yesterday, he sent me something titled Prayer Group, and I thought, okay, let's see what's here. It was a YouTube skit by Key and Peel, and it dates back to over a year ago, but it was pretty timeless in its content. And it opens with a group of people in someone's home, and they're all sitting in a circle and they are praying together. It's a diverse group of people. And they're praying. They're praying for the poor, the disenfranchised, and they're praying, asking God to show them God's will. And then they hear a voice from above, and they all fall to their knees, just astounded. And there's awe on their face. There's, There's incredible joy on their faces. And then the voice says, I have come to answer your prayer. Sell everything you own and begin to serve the poor. And this group of people are looking at each other. And one of them is kind of fingering her necklace. And it's like, wait a minute here. And... So one person in the group says, "Um, just to clarify, everything? And God responds, everything. Rid yourselves of everything. Another member in the group shouts, this house is haunted. They all run out screaming. And the voice from above simply says to this empty room, ah, I see what you did. I see what you did. This story, this humor, um, may remind us of the story of the wealthy young man who asked Jesus what he must do for eternal life. The conversation begins much like our gospel reading today. What is it we must do for eternal life? And Jesus' initial response, much like today's lesson, is to tell him to keep the commandments. And the young man says that he already does that. He does that. Is there anything else? And then that's when Jesus tells him to sell everything that he has and give it to the poor and to follow him. And we're told in that story that the young man goes away with sadness because he has so much. Now, I don't know about you all, but I have a lot of things I'm attached to. And I kind of believe that had I been in that prayer group, I would have probably been heading for the hills too. I would have been saying, can't be, can't be, can't be that voice. 
And just like the young man, I might feel really weighted by that. How could I be attached to so many things and put that ahead of other things? Well, we can take heart in today's lesson. There is not such a big ask involved in today's lesson. At least it seems like there isn't on the surface, but maybe, maybe it is. With today's gospel reading, a lawyer is questioning Jesus, and he's really questioning him to test him. And he says to Jesus, he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers by referring him to the law and asking him what he sees there. And the lawyer immediately responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, much like the young man, is not willing to stop there. But instead of asking, what else must I do, the lawyer, maybe wanting to be precise, as sometimes lawyers might want to do, that he asks, um, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus shares the parable that we just heard. A man has been traveling from one town to another, is robbed, stripped, beaten, and left severely injured. The gospel tells us half dead. A priest is passing down the road, and upon seeing him, walks on the other side. A Levite does the same, but a Samaritan sees him, is moved with pity, stops, tends to his wounds, transports him to an inn, and takes care of him. The Samaritan needs to be on his way, but he leaves his care to the innkeeper with money to cover the cost of that care, and promises the innkeeper that if the cost is even higher, that he will cover it when he returns. So then Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer responds, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. We continue, we continue to hear so much tragedy and so much violence in our world that this story does not feel ancient at all. It rather feels like it has something that has the potential to happen in any place, at any time. The gospel reading is so familiar that it can seemingly pass right by us without our really taking note. And one of the commentaries that I was looking at suggested that we play with it a bit, that instead of the Samaritan, who we have come to know as the good Samaritan, who we feel very warm and, and, and appreciative of, substitute that word with a word that we do not feel so comfortable with a group that we do not feel connected with, that we might feel threatened by, a group that we might think we didn't want to have anything to do with, 
substitute Samaritan with another identity. That gives us a better sense of how these words might have sounded to those who heard them in the earliest years. So if we substitute that, we also have the chance to substitute who it is that's been injured. Is it a stranger? Is it someone who we've never encountered before? Or might we be the one who was injured and suffering? Would we care what the identity was of the one who came to help? No, I think we would just thank God that someone, someone had stopped, had cared. So who is our neighbor? Who are we called to extend mercy to, to potentially receive mercy from? It has nothing to do with identifiers that separate us from one another. It has to do with mercy, with kindness and compassion and love. These may not seem like big things, but they can change everything. And perhaps they are everything. When I think of love of neighbor and mercy and kindness, there are names and faces in this congregation that come immediately to mind. People who just always seem to be checking in checking the pulse of individuals or checking the pulse of this community to look out for people who might have needs, to be in response to those needs, whether it's within this community or in the broader Cincinnati community. We commissioned um, New Stephen Ministers a few weeks ago, and several of us were meeting to talk about potential matches of Stephen ministers and potential care receivers. And we immediately thought of these people in our community who are always, always leaning into caring for others, who are always giving us a heads up when someone is needing attention, when someone would appreciate a call. And we thought, okay, these are the people we need to talk with. These are the people who know who is needing support right now. Their gifts to this community don't fall under any specific ministry. They are just gifts of their open hearts, their compassion. And I see that in so many faces here. These expressions of care can mean the world to someone who's feeling isolated, someone who's confused, discouraged, maybe even in despair. I was visiting with a family last week who expressed being overwhelmed by the support and kindness they had received from people, from people they didn't know very well, from people they never ever expected to be reaching out to them. They talked of how the situation they were in, which dealt with a, a significant health concern had taken them to a place they'd never been in before. It was unfamiliar territory. And they didn't know what they would have done if these kind people, in some ways kind of strangers or bare acquaintances to them, hadn't reached out in support 
They also acknowledged that when they had heard of people in difficulty before, they looked back and felt like they had not reached out. First of all, they didn't understand how difficult a situation can be, how overwhelming it can be. And they just didn't think of it. But they said, having experienced this outpouring of support, that they were going to change their ways forever, that the next time, when they had gotten through this, and the next time they knew of someone in need, they wanted to be right there doing everything they could. The people who helped them were teaching them how to help others. So kindness and mercy, love for our neighbor, can have a rippling effect well beyond our first halting response. It's not easy to step beyond our concerns, our difficulties, our burdens, our fears, our differences. It's not always easy to open ourselves and respond to another's need. But with God's help, we can try. And we can always remember it doesn't all depend on us. The family that I visited last week, in terms of our conversation, um, one of the family members was chilled. And I said, you know, would you like a prayer shawl? I said, we have a knitting ministry here. Would you like a prayer shawl? And they immediately said yes. And I asked for their favorite color, and they told me. And so I had shared this at the 8 o'clock, and I thought this shawl was going to leave the building at 8. But the person who's delivering it um, said, keep it. Keep it for the other services. So this beautiful shawl. I'll get my bag away from the microphone. But this beautiful shawl has been knit by our knitting ministry. And there are several members of this knitting ministry out here in the pews right now. And then this bear, this prayer bear. And, and I see the creator of the prayer bear is kind of looking squeamish. Is she going to mention this? But, but Betsy Berry makes all of our bears. And none of us are ever too old to have a bear. And so these are going to a beautiful home. And when I say it doesn't all have to depend on us, you know, I was thinking, okay, I've, I've got to figure out when I can get back. And then I thought, no, I don't. Because we have people in this congregation who are going to deliver flowers to this family today, flowers from today's service, and they can deliver this bear. So what we do when we send out something is we bless it. We, we bless it, we pray, that it be a symbol of God's love, God's healing presence, and a symbol of the love and healing presence of this community. And then we send it out, and someone else will deliver it, and it will be loved. And no, a bear and a shawl aren't, aren't really necessarily in a position to heal a major illness. But that comfort, that sign of love and support can mean everything, can mean everything. So the people no longer feel alone, no longer feel isolated. 
I have a dear friend who posts on Facebook. I seldom go to Facebook, so if you never hear comments from me, it's just because I don't go. But she posted on Facebook about a situation she'd encountered. A bird had hit the glass window off of their study. This had happened before. And the bird was lying on the ground, and she went outside. And she could tell that the bird was still alive, not moving, but still alive. And she gently picked the bird up and held it in her hand for about 10 minutes. And she said she could almost see like the bird was trying to kind of organize itself, get itself back together. And after about 10 minutes, it kind of perked up and it flew away. And she, she sent this picture of the bird in her hands and she wrote that with all of the major overwhelming troubles in the world, how it felt like such a gift to be able to choose to do the one thing she could do, the one thing that was right in front of her. And no, not every bird is going to heal, not every bird will fly away, but she did what she could and she got to witness the gift of that moment. Suffering and violence seem to be so much a part of our world. And we can live in the fear that it can seemingly happen any place at any time. We saw that again last weekend. Or we can live in that place of heartfelt commitment to show up for each other to show up for the neighbors we know and the neighbors we are yet to meet, to show up with compassion and kindness and love. We are human. We will not always get it right. We may not always feel like we have anything to give. But the gifts of presence, the gifts of open hearts, mercy and compassion, those are miracles in themselves. And sharing them is a miracle as well. So what must we do to inherit eternal life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. All the while remembering, all are our neighbors. Amen. Amen.